Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Adoption Now is a place to find connection, hope, and understanding about adoption. We love to learn so many different stories and every unique aspect of the journey that people go on to bring home their child. This one today is amazing. The couple reached out to me to share their story. They have 13 children, four adopted from Ethiopia, five adopted from the DRC, and four biological kids. This is Brian and Dana's story. Brian and Dana, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, April. Now, tell me how you found adoption now. I have actually a couple of um, friend connections to you. Um, I'm friends with one of the last um, families that you hosted, and they shared their story. And so I just began listening to your podcast and um, was just very encouraged by the stories that you're sharing and the realness that you're um, allowing on your show. Adoption is not easy, is it? No, definitely not. So you had four biological children and then decided to start adopting. What made you decide to get into it? I think for us, uh, we really feel like the Lord has brought each of our kids to us, uh, kind of crossed paths with us in some way or another. Um, My husband um, was an eighth grader. Brian and he, his parents adopted a little girl from Korea when he was in eighth grade. And so he knew it was something that he wanted to do. Um, I didn't have an experience with adoption. I really hadn't really thought about it. Um, but I loved children. And so even when I was a small girl, I would say that I wanted to have 20 kids. Um, so when he went to Ethiopia, um, after we had our four children, um, they were, small, six, four, four, and two, and um, he actually met our first three children in Ethiopia, but he wasn't there. I'm sorry. People right now are going, four, four, wait a second, wait a second, you had a six and four, four, so you have twins. We do have twins, yes, twin boys. Oh my goodness, so most people would say that six, four, four, and three is enough on your hands. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to lie. The first time he, when he called me from Ethiopia and said, honey, I think we're supposed to adopt these kids. I was like, you have lost your mind. Um, they were 15, 14. Well, they were probably 14, 13 and nine at that time. Um, and I mean, our oldest was six. So I really did. I was like, uh, what? <laughs> so I wasn't convinced. Oh my goodness. So they were going to bump your birth order. And we talk about that a lot on the show. Does it work? What are the challenges? So your oldest child was now going to become child number four. Correct. How did you process that? I mean, was that something that you thought about or were you like, it's just going to work out? I mean, we did process it. Honestly, we got turned down by a social worker um, because of it, she wouldn't um, she wouldn't work with us because she felt so strongly that it was um, that and the idea of bringing two older boys into a home where there's younger girls. Um, she wasn't okay with it, which I completely understand and we understood at the time and respect. 
Um, it's just that the way that God um, lined this up for us, it Brian felt like he felt that he heard from the Lord clearly. And then there was sort of confirmation in that he asked about these kids. And then the orphanage director said, oh, well, they're actually already being adopted. And so he came home from Ethiopia and we were like, oh, you know, he's like, I don't know what I heard from the Lord then. Um, but about a month later, we actually got contacted by the agency and said, there's nothing wrong with the kids. Nothing happened. The family, for reasons on their side that was going to adopt them, has backed out. And so I literally started crying. Uh, it was an email that we received, and I started crying because I was like, I know they're supposed to be ours. <laughs> God just made it really clear. So we had to pursue finding a social worker who would approve us, which wasn't easy, actually. <laughs> okay, so are they siblings? Um, two, so... Um, Biological siblings. The, the, bio, the, the boy and the girl, the, the younger boy, 13 and nine are biological brother and sister and then the boys were like best friends at the orphanage um the orphanage considered them family because the boys had been together for so long and how long had they been at the orphanage their whole lives no not their whole lives it's it's a little foggy you know the story we got from the agency isn't exactly what they tell us but at least a few years um they had been together one of the things I think is really interesting about this first adoption that you did is that some of these children had connection to their birth mom. Correct. The sibling group, their biological mom is still living. And, and yes, she was still um, coming to see them. And they, to this day, still stay in contact with their mom, which we love and support. And um, we've been back a couple of times a few times to visit her and spend time with her. Really? So a lot of people think if I go overseas to get the child, the benefit is, is that I don't have to um, deal with the birth mom. Now it is a little bit safer when, and I know you know the birth mom. So when people know the birth moms, they don't feel like they're not unsafe, but sometimes going into it, you feel like, is she going to show up at my doorstep? Is she going to try to also parent? Is this going to be co-parenting? Because I can't handle that. So you don't really have that fear that she's, you know, going to be at your house. But it sounds like as you build this relationship, you really trust her and you don't want to take the kids away from her because she's somebody really important in their lives. Correct. And I have learned so much about fear and, and a lot of, um, you know, the, the questions of when is a good time, if they're going to be reintroduced, um, you know, the fear of will this cause my child to struggle attaching to me if they're in relationship with their biological parent. And, um, you know, even I, I have some friends who are even, you know, talk about, well, I want to protect my child from being hurt from their biological parent, you know, a lot of times they're um, not living with that parent because that parent is making bad choices and on and on. And I think ultimately uh, what I, what we have learned is just that um, giving your child the freedom um, to choose. And yes, you're right. It was safer for us. She wasn't going to come to our home, but um, allowing them to speak to her, allowing them to tell her things if they're unhappy with us. Um, and just knowing that, that it's okay. It's okay for them to not be happy with us. 
and to be saying those things to their biological parent and to just trust that God is going to work it all out. There becomes, when, when there feels like less control from us, there just becomes a more, more freedom for your child to heal and begin to trust you as well. Isn't that interesting about adoption is that it really does break control. You think you have control and the less that you have, the more the child grows. That doesn't mean that you step back and let the child parent themselves or that you don't bring in structure and some sort of um, rule. You don't not parent, but letting them feel and be who they are, even if um, it's not comfortable or it's not even right at the time, but you just acknowledge and validate the child. I've just seen and during the show, people have said how much it helped that child just heal faster. They were able to do it in their yeah. own time. Have you found that? Yes, absolutely. One of the, my favorite things when you and I were talking, you said that you read all the books, the adoption books before, and you agreed with them and you were on board until you brought the children home and realized it's a whole different ball game. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because when we adopted our first three, there actually wasn't a lot to read. Um, it was kind of just the time that attachment parenting, you know, care and purpose, that stuff was coming out. And so uh, we didn't read a lot before we adopted them. And so when I did begin reading them, I, I was a little horrified at everything that we had done wrong up to that point. And so, um, what I realized as I started reading it is what you just said is the the part about, you know, connect with your child um, when you're correcting. And what I found was I would be in the moment and I would know. I would know all of the things that I was supposed to do and and I was not doing what I was supposed to do. And so what that began um, for me was a conversation with the Lord of, all right, Lord. Um, well, actually, uh, first, it what it did to me was caused me to say, wow, there must be something very wrong with me. Um, all, these authors write these books and people sing the praises of these um authors. And so everyone else must be, and I didn't hear anyone else saying, gosh, you know, I'm really struggling connecting with my child. I didn't have a bunch of friends who had adopted. And so I really began saying, holy cow, I'm, there must be something very wrong with me. I'm the one that's screwed up. Um, it actually, so it caused me to actually retreat. Um, I felt like I was the problem. I was pretty convinced of it actually. And, um, I wasn't doing a good job connecting after that because I believed I was a bad mom. I was the problem. And so then moving forward, I, I, I began to get in a real bad place. And so I actually reached out for some therapy and in these conversations with the therapist, um, she began asking me questions like, what if it's not just you? What if it's just no one else is talking about it? What if other parents are having these problems? Um, another reason I love your show, because I think that every adoptive parent would say that they are having these problems. Um, and so it, it began this conversation with me and the Lord of, all right, Lord, what is it in me that is causing me to not be able to connect to my child? Uh, whether they're doing something wrong or not, 
um, why can't I know that they came from a really hard place, have lived through horrific things, and I should be able to love them despite the ugliness that I'm, that they're treating me with. Um, you know, it should be able to happen according to how Jesus says it should happen. And so he began showing me a lot of stuff in me, um, some, some circumstances from my years of, you know, being hurt. And, um, he just began talking to me about them and, and he began healing me from them. Isn't it funny that God works like that? You know, you go into a situation and you say, well, I am going to help kids and really, or I'm going to help a, you know, you might be a missionary and you go over and you're, I'm going to do this work. And all of a sudden God is doing so much more in you and breaking you and changing yeah. you. And you just, if you let God do that, you just become this completely different person. And it doesn't mean that the kids are fixed and the family is perfect. It just means that God is doing something and that's the whole purpose of it. Yeah. I believe it was as much about our healing as it has been about our kids for sure. Brian, so you fall in love with these three children and you bring them home. Talk about that first couple weeks, couple months. What was that like in adjustment for both sides, the kids that were adopted and your biological children? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it was not exactly what I expected it to be, and it was what I expected it to be. Uh, when you bring three, uh, especially a couple of instant teenagers, and then, you know, one who wasn't too far away from being a, a teenager into a family that was pretty young, uh, there was just a, a lot swirling emotionally, spiritually between uh, siblings. And uh, what you what you expect, uh, I think, and I'm just going to be real honest here, what you expect is a whole bunch of gratitude from these kids who you just, quote, rescued right out of the uh, depravity that they were in, the very difficult scenario that they were in. And there just isn't much of that. And so real quickly, that whole concept, and, and of course, that isn't why we adopted them, but you, you think somewhere in the back of your mind, and it's totally subconscious, and it's really, it's really, I'll just admit, it's pretty gross of me. You just think, well, these guys are just, they're just going to be overflowing with gratitude all of the time because of what just happened to them. And there just isn't much. So that real quickly, you have to go, Oh yeah. Okay. These are, these are kids with incredible emotional need and they don't have the capacity for that kind of, of gratitude, frankly. And why would I expect that or even want that? It, 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 it you know, it was like the mirror got held up in front of my face going, that, what are you even thinking, Brian? I, uh, on the other hand, there was the, our younger children connecting with those kids was the most beautiful thing. I mean, it, it, it didn't take but a handful of weeks until you knew that these kids uh, who are biological kids, they would never even remember a day when these other three kids weren't part of their lives, part of their heart, connected to them. Uh, uh, I mean, it, it just wells me up with emotion thinking about all that. So, you know, it's some things you expect. It's some things that you don't expect. And uh, it, it's sort of this beautiful swirl 
if you will, of all of that. One of the things that I love about this show is that so many parents have said exactly that. We struggled as parents, but our children, our biological children or the children we already had in the home were amazing. They love them. And so the family that we had on uh, a couple weeks ago said, so we just, we stepped back and we watched the kids and said, well, at least we're doing something right because our kids (laughs) are so loving and understanding and seem to understand that, that there's pain involved and that we need to love extra. And so they said that they kind of stepped back and said, let's just follow our kids and, and try to love like they're loving because we're, we're not doing an excellent job. And eventually you catch up and you understand and you, you know, the whole concept of parenting, the whole concept of what you said, I'm going to bring a child home. They're going to be so thankful and just hug me all the time and say, I love you so much, mom and dad. And it's not always like that rarely like that. And so yeah. stepping back and having all those facades break down is is such a process. But kids adjust quickly. So I'm excited to hear and I think a lot of families are going to be really relieved to hear that your kids might do better than than you're doing. And just let that love Absolutely. happen. Yes, pace setters. They in lots of ways are the pace setters. And I love that. I love that picture of okay, we're just going to follow our kids here. They have this intuitive sense, don't they? It really is amazing. So you bring three kids home, and how long after are you ready to adopt again? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a really good question. Uh, I, I don't know that I was ready to adopt again when the, when the Lord just uh, sort of landed uh, Adis, who later became Kinsey, smack dab in, in front of us. And we, we weren't looking like we weren't looking. Our, our head was full. Our house was full. Our hearts were full. And then here comes the summer hosting program, uh, with a 12 year old, uh, girl who was hosted by another family. She spent a good deal of time with our daughter who was a, the same age from the same country, Ethiopia. And at the end of the summer, they were about to send these kids who had been hosted back uh, to Ethiopia. We asked the program director if there was anybody who had spoken for this girl. And sure enough, she's the only one who hadn't been spoken for. And so it, it was there in that moment where where Dan and I are going like, oh, oh my goodness, oh, oh my goodness, here, here we go. This, uh, here we go. Uh, yes, exactly. Here we go. So when you say summer hosting, does that mean that she was already over here, or summer hosting in That's, Ethiopia? No, summer hosting here. Okay, so uh, she was already here. She was. She was already here. They they bring the kids over, uh, host them with a family. Uh, uh, and at that summer our program, there were kids from the Philippines and Ethiopia, both probably, I don't know, 15 children or something, uh, with the hopes that a family would intersect with them over the course of the summer and their heartstrings would be tugged and it would be that sort of divine moment where the Lord breaks in and speaks and goes, that kid right there who you interacted with 
is probably meant to be your your kid. Now, they can't just stay here. They have to go back because we all know the adoption process is lengthy. So they, they're here for a season, and then they go back, uh, and then the adoption process begins. Wow, this is amazing. We have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more to Brian and Dana about the rest of their adoptions because it's not over yet. They go back to Ethiopia, then they go back or they go over to the DRC and they just keep growing their family and just keep saying yes to God. Stay tuned. You're listening to Adoption Now. I'm April Fallon. We'll be right back. Elizabeth is dialed in to the mighty 670. Hi, this is April Fallon, the host of Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. Do you have an adoption story you'd like to tell? We'd love to hear it. You can help so many people on the same adoption journey. Radio may seem scary, but the best part about sharing your story is sharing your heart about children. Visit our website at adoption-now.com to submit your story. Faith and Family Radio, KLT Denver. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we're talking to Brian and Dana. They have 13 children, four adopted from Ethiopia, five adopted from the DRC, and four biological children. They had four children, and then they started adopting. They have brought three children home in the story, and now they're on their fourth. Uh, Kenzie is now going to be their fourth teenager that they're bringing into the home. And she was connected to you by this um, summer program, which I think is very interesting. I don't even know if everybody knows about that, that there's a program to bring children over to be adopted. Now, you said that she had to go back, so you had to do the process like usual. And did you fly over and get her? We did. We did eventually, yes. Uh, and, it, and it was the typical Ethiopia, like you go for court uh, and then you leave again and then you go back and and pick her up when it's time to come home. Finally, you know, you get to bring her home. She's, and I would just like to touch on that, that whole idea that we believe uh, through that whole experience uh, that Kenzie, she was meant to be ours. So at the end of the summer, when uh, nobody had spoken uh, affirmatively that they were going to adopt Kenzie, that was because we believe that she was our daughter, meant to be our daughter. And uh, what a thrilling, uh, challenging, uh, exciting season that was to sort of wake up to this like, oh, gosh, yes, uh, God has another child for us. Unbelievable. What a healing thing that can be for people across the board is just to believe this is part of my story. I'm meant to be going through this, or I'm meant to wait. I was meant to wait for my parents. I, I don't know why it, it took so long or why yeah. things happened the way that they did, but we can rest assured that God has a plan. And instead of questioning him all the time, just saying it was meant to be. I have found that if I trust in that, I have confidence. I don't grieve so much uh, the loss, although I think it's important to be true to your feelings. But being confident that God is going to take me to the next place. And I usually, not always, you can see what he was doing. And so 
obviously, if you would have met Kenzie earlier, maybe it wouldn't have worked because you didn't have the three other ones. And maybe that was part of her coming in. She needed that. I mean, who knows what the story is, but here she is waiting for you and you connect and you bring her home. How was her transition into the house? It was very, very good. It was very, very good uh, at first. And then later on, it, it, every every kid has their own unique road. They're going to uh, walk, don't they? And so while we expected a lot of things similar, maybe with what our daughter Malia had experienced, Kinsey's just went differently. Like at first it was uh, all, you know, roses and rainbows, if you will. And then it just took a while for, I think, her grieving process about everything that she had lost and everything that she had uh, even even given up, you know, uh, to sort of surface in her. And, and that came out uh, in some really hard ways, some really hard circumstances. Uh, but again, what it pressed uh, for us was, oh, wait a minute. Kinsey is uh, struggling here, and she's having a hard time, but it just caused for both Dana and me this hard look in the mirror to go, uh, there's some things in Kinsey that's brushing up against some things in me that God wants to sort through and wrestle through some, uh, I love the way Dana says it, some yuck in me that the Lord wants to uh, surface and raise. And and in those seasons, uh, my stuff rubs up against her stuff, and that can be really ugly, can't it? But then as I've done hard work, me and the Lord vertically doing hard work, and then as Kinsey and Jesus have done really hard, healing, redemptive, beautiful stuff, then you find this new ground, this new place that the Lord takes you to, and you get to stand uh, in that new place. And and that work isn't done. It's not done in me. It's not done in her. It's not done in any of our kids. Uh, and so it's ongoing, moment by moment, day by day. Absolutely. It's interesting when you bring a child in, you you don't understand how it can change the dynamic of your marriage. You do. I mean, when you're first child, you don't understand it because it's so much work. And But adoption <laughs> means something different. And even my husband and I, we struggled and we talk openly about the times that we have struggled in our marriage. And I love what you say. We did our work. I mean, we realize that we have to fix this. I don't know how. We don't know how. Um, sometimes you have to go to therapy. Sometimes you need that third person. But when you do the work, you come out on the other side, not only with each other, you do the work with God. What can come out of it is so deep and so different. And some people say, I listen to these stories and I don't know if I could do it. And I understand that. But let me just tell you, being on the other side and going through it and, and still living it every day, I am such a, a different person. The depth of who I am, and I, I can see that in you guys too, just from hearing your story. It's like you started off one way and then all the yuck comes out and, and you just give it to God and you just keep pressing forward and you keep trying to, to learn and to understand through these children and now, I, I mean, you're a pastor. I bet you your sermons are, like, totally different than when you started this process. Oh, you, you could not be more right. You, you just don't—how many buttons you just pressed there with everything you just said. 
there's just a, a depth. And, and frankly, April, I, there are days where I wake up where I go, I still don't know that I can do this. <laughs> I still don't know uh, that I've got the strength and the endurance and all that it takes to lean into this stuff with God and uh, with all these people who God's charged us with raising. I still don't know if I can do that. But uh, the beauty is in what's on the other side of it that comes through it where new levels of character development and new levels of healing and new levels of the stuff that God's stirring in our heart. Like, uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world, honestly. And I know we're not done. Like, I, I know we're not done Uh-oh. with this pr- process of... <laughs> All the guys, and I'm not saying we're not done with it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. I see what you did there. <laughs> uh yeah, exactly. you're gonna have to come back on the show. But let's finish this story. So, you guys have adopted now four, and you are like, let's get some more kids. And then you go to the DRC, or what was that process like to get connected to the next four? Uh, yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. I'll just say this and then let Dana sort of queue up into this conversation. But uh, I was done. You know, I, I-, I was like, okay, we- look, we have eight children, and uh, I don't know if I'm good enough to raise one, let alone eight. So I think this is a this is a great place to throw it in the park and and call it good. And then one night we're sitting in one of our daughter's choir concerts, a friend of ours shows us her smartphone with four little girls on the smartphone screen, these tiny little pictures, like literally as big as your thumbnail, literally. And she says, hey, here's these four little sisters from the DRC. Know anyone who would want to adopt them because they're about to get split up by the adoption agency if somebody doesn't. And I looked at the phone for literally like a half a second. I was like, nope, I don't know anybody. And hand the phone down the road <laughs> to, to Dana. And what what'd you say, honey? Oh, that was his first mistake. He handed the phone down and let me see him, right? Right. <laughs> Actually, I didn't I didn't really think anything of it at, at the time. I honestly, um, we really were that's a lot of kids. Eight eight is a lot of kids and um so it was I handed the phone back and I was like, Well we'll pray for him and I'll ask around to the people that I know and um, it was probably a couple of weeks later that I was sitting in church. We were actually, um, none of the kids were in the kids' ministry at church. Brian was actually preaching. So I was literally sitting in this row with my kids. And they, don't, they didn't always do this, but they happened sitting for Ethiopian, for biological, me. And all of a sudden, I thought of these four little girls. And I was like, What? what if they are ours? What if we are supposed to adopt them? And so honestly, like you heard him, he's so tough. He was not, he was done. <laughs> so I went, I went home and I told him the story and I was like, well, what if they are ours? What if we are supposed to say yes to all four of them? Because we like, it is enormous loss to lose your parents. And then like they're going to separate them from each other too. Like they, that cannot happen. They need each other. Um, they're full biological sisters. And so it took us, honestly, it took us a while to both get on the same page um, and, and agree. And so then we talked to the, he, Brian finally said, okay, 
talk to the agency. So I did. And the first response back was, you have too many kids. Um, it won't go well with how many kids you already have in your home. And so I was like, oh, okay. So I go home, tell him kind of like our first story. I was like, oh, okay, I guess I was wrong. And we let it go. And then a few days later, we got another email that said, okay, actually, we want to pursue this more. Um, we won't. Um, we won't refer them to you until you come up with $20,000 because they've been waiting so long. We can't wait for you to fundraise the money, the beginning money. So you have to have that money to us before they, we will give you the referral for them. Um, so Brian and I made a decision that we're not suggesting that everyone should. Um, but we decided that we were going to borrow the money and, um, that we were going to trust the Lord because we wanted these girls to be out of their situation as soon as possible. So we borrowed that $20,000. Um, we. Dave Ramsey would not be proud. We always used to, we used to say that in adoption when we, cause we also, we, we cleared out our bank account. We did anything it took when you're in it, you're in it. And, um, we just go, we just, we look at each other and go, Dave Ramsey, he would, he would not be proud of us right now. This is, (laughs) does he have an adoption episode? I mean, I don't know, but when your heart tells you to do something, you just do it. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly right. And it was, it was the right, it was the absolute right thing to do. It was the absolute, and it took us, like Dana said, a while to get to that place. But, but then when you're in the place, uh, the money really like it's it's just money right it's just money these these are precious precious children and and this is this is just money so you burn whatever ships you have to burn to just get it done so these four children and a little bit that i know about your story because everybody kind of has the one adoption that um it took everything you had and it sounds like these four took everything. It wasn't easy. I mean, adoption isn't easy anyways, but this was beyond what somebody would think of to do to fight for children. A little bit that you said the government wasn't going to release all four of them and asked you to keep one behind, choose one to keep behind and take three. And you said no. And that became a very long process for you guys. How did you keep fighting and have these other children at home? And I mean, what was that like? It was honestly the hardest thing that I have lived through in my life. Um, we we went there for what we, I mean, they, they made it appear that we were going to bring all four of them home. Um, the process was actually pretty quick. The, the legal process, uh, they were legally ours in March of 2013. We thought we were going to bring them home. We arrived, and and we'd already made two. So we made a visit in um, June to file our paperwork in country so the U.S. could go do their investigation. And then we arrived in August. Their visas were issued by the United States. We thought we were going to get on a plane and go home. And so that began the – it was supposed to be a three-week stay. We ended up staying two full months, both Brian and I, because – um, we thought there was going to be a way, um, and during that two-month stay, um, this suspension of adoption in the DRC began. And so that 
ultimately began a two over two year process of us literally me going back and forth, spending time with them, going back home because we didn't want them to feel like after that we were our we were their parents and they knew it and we knew it. And so we didn't want them to feel like we had left them there or had forgotten them. And so I just kept making these trips um, to see them, to spend time with them, to plead my case with anyone there who would hear me in our case. Um, Brian needed to stay back with the kids because it was just, it was emotionally devastating to everyone. Our kids at home, our girls there, um, us. I, we didn't, we didn't know. It was horrific. How old were they? Um, so when the little girls, when we adopted, or when we first met them, they were um, six, four, well, so seven, five, three, and like one and a half. Oh my goodness. And so when you actually brought them home, they were 10, eight, six, and four? Um, or younger. Yeah, that's how old that's how old they are right now. So they, so they came home in April of 2015. So okay. they were a year younger. Oh yep. my goodness! So Nine. you're not bringing little kids home. You're not just bringing teenagers no. home. Now you're bring you're mixing it up with your younger kids. Yeah. And how did they respond? Which which one? The the <laughs> all of them. How how did that change the dynamic? Uh, our house is a lot louder than it used to be. <laughs> Um, and this one, this one, I think was was so was so tricky because of the uh, the other adoption processes to uh, the rest of our kids who were already home. They were they were easy. It just looked like okay, yeah. I mean, certainly there's some waiting involved, and mom and dad travel a little bit, but this one was so all consuming for the entire family that it, it, it was just a whole different ball game. Uh, the the whole family was so deeply emotionally i mean dana was gone for extended periods of time i i was gone for extended periods of time uh we were both gone for extended periods of time uh and then when you know then when the suspension happened and uh it just was a whole it was like this all family shoulder into this wheel of we're fighting together as a family for these little girls who are part of our family and so when, when we crossed the finish line of that deal, it, it, it was like, oh, my goodness. There was sort of this uh, collapse across the finish line, like, oh, my gosh, yes, we got them. And, and then the really radical adjustment of just having added four little kids uh, to our family. So, uh, again, I keep using this word. It was just this uh, emotionally racked swirl of stuff going on, adjustment and uh, healing and pain being revealed uh, and all this kind of thing, really, really complex, really complex and really challenging right to this very minute as we sit here talking with you, April. We only have a couple minutes left and it's so sad because I could talk to you for a really long time. We're going to have you back on the show. We're going to interview Silas, your oldest son. He's going to tell us a little bit about what it's like to be adopted as an older child from Ethiopia. These little girls, though, I do want to say one of the most amazing things about your story. I mean, your story is kind of off the charts. There's so many aspects to it that's like, oh, well, I haven't heard that before. This is interesting. <laughs> but the four little girls are a gift to Dana. And 
she said that, I mean, all the kids are gifts to her. I mean, she loves all her kids. But a lot of times we hear parents say, when the kids come home, they adjust to dad right away and the mom struggles. And this is flip-flopped for these four girls. They are totally bonded and connected to the mom. And they, because of what they've been through, are taking time to adjust to you. Is that right, Brian? That's 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 absolutely right. And and that's been uh, quite a climb for for me you know even uh even when i walk in the house to to this very day a couple of them are really warm and really endearing and then there's a couple who you know like oh you know there goes the chopped liver walking by i'm not even going to acknowledge his presence and so it's it's just this ongoing thing that you know okay it's not personal it's not about me it it's the stuff that they've had to endure and uh, I'm going to keep fighting through it and fighting through it. Love my daughters, like love my daughters, no matter what they think of me. I think that's really encouraging and it could be encouraging for you to speak out for fathers to understand what the mother is going through because a lot of times, like I said, it's opposite. And so the child ignores the mother and it's very painful. And so now you're a dad who kind of understands the other side and you can say, Hey dads, this is what it feels like. And it's not easy. And because sometimes dads will just say, well, they love me and it's so great. And it it's actually a divide between the marriage in the time oh, of, of that bonding time. So speaking out and saying, Hey, I get it. I get both sides. And, um, you guys are very familiar with with pain and with going through that and also being comfortable with pain, not just trying to stuff it down or getting rid of it, but kind of residing in it and waiting for it to pass. And hopefully it does. I, we don't have very much time, but I just want to touch on the last child that you adopted is so touching to me because of our story. Um, She was adopted from another family and it didn't work. And you guys stepped in and you brought her home and what an amazing thing for this little girl, Lucy, who has just joined your family in April or end of end of March, for her to be on a journey and here she is with you and you are working really hard on getting her to to understand that you were always meant to be her parents. The very thing uh, we spoke of earlier where she actually was destined for our family and there, and there was some um, alternate routes uh, that the Lord uh, led her down, but ultimately she was destined for our family. And uh, I, I have nothing but the absolute firmest belief in that. Uh, and that, that's being borne out every day as her little soul just continues to come more and more alive and uh, what a remarkable little girl she is my goodness thank you so much for being on the show your story is remarkable and the way that you have said yes to what god has for your family and the way that your family is functioning together and no it's not perfect adoption is not perfect but god is in adoption and you are just walking that out and walking out your faith and so it is so encouraging to so many families Thank you so much for your time. Thank well, thank you. you so much for having us. We're so grateful. Thanks for what you do, and please uh, keep up the very good work you do. It's a big deal. Well, thank you. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook, and remember, all the podcasts are available on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week.
Thanks for joining us for today's Adoption Now. If you would like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, visit the website at adoption-now.com or find it on Facebook. And join us next week at the same time as we share another adoption story on 670 AM KLTT.